up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down with creative, smart, and ambitious entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their journey, because no one's given a playbook at the beginning of building a business. So I wanted to talk to people who have done it so that we can learn from them. And today on the show, I have Tyler Freeman, who is one of the owners of Alchemist Coffee. Tyler and I reconnected after a few years uh, when he was working at uh, at a Dutch Bros and he reached out to me recently and asked me some questions about some insurance. And I was like, hey, man, I've been trying to get someone on the show from your company to talk about Alchemist because you guys are killing it right now. Do you want to come on? And he was like, absolutely. So here we go. Tyler's got a great story. He worked with a great company for many years at Dutch Bros and learned some important skills and what it's like to build culture and what it's like to, to uh, be in a successful you know, coffee company. And um, when he left Dutch Bros, he's like, I'm going to try something on my own. And he decided to open a snow cone shack in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, so that was an interesting, we talk about that. Uh, he went on to roasting coffee and then eventually it led him to his partner, Chris, and they got together and they uh, started opening Alchemist Coffees. And his story is amazing. Like they're killing it right now. And you know, he makes it sound easy, but I think that's his personality. There's a lot of work and a lot of things that have happened. He talks about opening a restaurant that didn't make it and what that was like and what they learned. And, um, but they're, they're really doing well. So Tyler, thank you so much for coming on. It was it's been awesome reconnecting with you. Um, um, your story's outstanding and you guys are onto some really exciting things. So let's get out of the show. So, all right, let's dance. <laughs> all right, well, I am joined today with uh, my friend Tyler Freeman, who is a partner at Alchemist Coffee. What's up, Tyler? <laughs> how's it going? Good, man. Good. So, how's your ping pong game? It's going good, actually. <laughs> yeah, we hit up handlebar sometimes. It's got a ping pong table. Nice. Working on the working on it. Yeah. So you worked at Dutch Bros a while back. You know, we'll talk about that. And I remember we helped you guys with some health insurance. Um, whatever three or four years ago and while we were waiting around you were like hey man do you play ping pong because you guys had a ping pong table and i was yeah. like i have not played in a long time and we went out and had a vicious game of <laughs> ping pong uh which you and you reach out to me you know a month or so ago and you're like i don't know if you remember me but we played ping pong once and i need some help with some insurance and i was like perfect so it's it's good to reconnect with you yeah, yeah. so um Tell me a little bit about what you do today, and then we're going to go backwards um, and work our way forward. So tell me a little bit about Alchemist. Yeah, so I'm one of the owners of Alchemist. We're a coffee company based out of Boise, Idaho. Um, We've got three retail locations, um, and then we have two production facilities. So um, we kind of do a lot of the... Um, products that go into cafes, we make them ourselves. So we do make our own chai, cold brew, roast our own coffee, blend our own teas, as much stuff as we can do ourselves, make our own breakfast burritos, breakfast sandwiches, everything like that. Um, and then I kind of run the daily operations of the company for the most part and, uh, kind of manage the managers, um, keep up on the shops, uh, do a lot of the hiring and firing, that type of stuff. Um, setting policies, all the stuff, that, fun stuff that goes into that. You're the hammer, huh? Yeah. You have to bring it down. And you've got a partner, right? Yep. I got a partner, Chris Price. Um, so he is a, uh, contracted builder. So he builds out all of our shops. He's been, he's run lots of bars, restaurants, tons of businesses in the church Valley over the last probably 15 years. So, uh, me and him kind of started this, uh, almost three years ago. And, uh, kind of works out where, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of knowledge on the, on the, the, um, back side, brewing side, um, different things like that. And so since I kind of come from more of the coffee world, I kind of bring some of that in. Absolutely. And, yeah. So how's business been? <laughs> it's been good. Yeah. Um, you know, we, um, We've got two shops that are really busy and uh, do really well in the valley. Lots of, you know, we sell a lot of food and coffee out of there. We've got another shop downtown that we just opened about, I want to say two months ago. It's still going pretty slow, but overall good. And then um, as far as our distribution um, uh, facilities go, production facilities, doing good. We we signed a pretty big deal with Walmart a while back, so we've got... um, quite a few SKUs and, uh, and, uh, quite a few Walmarts across the West. And wow. then, um, 
also just a decent amount of wholesale accounts of cafes from some in town, some uh, Twin Falls, Coeur d'Alene, Oregon, places like that that we ship out to on a daily basis as well. So that sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got tired just hearing what you have to do. Yeah, I'm going to be in your 27th Street shop tomorrow. I got to set up a meeting there Heck tomorrow. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, for a minute, like you guys showed up and like for, for a minute, it felt like you were everywhere. Like the one walking distance from my office, which I would go, it was a Starbucks many years ago. And then it was Eagle river. And then I walked in one day and I looked up and I'm like, Oh my God, it's an alchemist, you know? <laughs> and then I was down on state street by the, like by the home depot. Is that a home depot or a Lowe's down there? Home depot. Yeah. And, and like I went in there and I was like, Oh my God, it's an alchemist. And then I would look somewhere else and there's now like you guys were just everywhere for a second. And so I was like, who are these guys and where did they come from? So I'm excited to talk and learn how you guys have how you've done this in a pretty short period of time. So let's talk about your previous life. Okay. Like where are you from? So I was, um, I was born in California, but I moved here when I was five. So I've been in, in Idaho for, you know, 25 years. Nice. Um, so I'm from here. I guess. Where'd you go to high school? Centennial high. Nice. Yeah. All right. And, uh, what'd you do after high school? Uh, I played baseball at Treasure Valley Community College in Ontario. What so position? I, I was a, a pitcher, played a little second base, a little third base, a nice. little bit of everything. And, um, so I went there for two years. Um, did you get drafted? I did not get drafted. <laughs> <laughs> what was your post baseball career like? Um, well, you know, after, well, after I got back to Boise, started working as I still play in men's league. Um, and then when I was living in Australia for a while, I played a little bit of baseball there, just like kind of some men's league, independent league type stuff. But that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you landed with Dutch bros at some point in time. Yes. Yes. How long did you work there? So I was there for, uh, four or five years actually. Okay. I think, yeah. And did you just start as a barista there? Yeah. Yeah. Basically I was, uh, I was doing heating and air conditioning before that. And, uh, one day I was like, I don't know if this is exactly what I want to do. And one of the guys who I was working with was like, dude, you should work at Dutch bros. It seems so much more fun than this. <laughs> and I was like, so that day I went, turned in my application and got the job there and started as a normal barista. And after about, um, three months got promoted to assistant manager. Nice. And then, um, a year later took over as a, as a manager, um, and did that for a year or two. And then I moved to Australia for a year, did some traveling. And when I came back, started up at Dutch Bros again, managed a few different shops in, in, um, all in Meridian. Nice. So I think altogether like three different shops, but. So what did you learn at your time at Dutch Bros? I mean, I know a lot of what you learned, I'm sure is translating what you're doing today. So, you know, what's, the, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that company. I mean, they're, they're wonderful people that run those locations. I think the culture they build is invaluable. I think they grow and help young, uh, young adults learn what it means to, you know, be responsible and to be, to work hard, but also to give back. Like there's so much. And I think the team, from what I've seen from the outside looking in, and I've been able to peek behind the curtain at that company, you know, a number of ways, but just, you know, the culture they build is, is, is pretty rich and, you know, um, so I'm wondering like what you learned at your time there, you know, what are some of the, the most important things that you took away from your time there? Yeah, I think, uh, one of the first words you used was, is culture and the culture there is, um, when I was there was just kind of awesome. I mean, everyone there is like friends with each other, gets along, it's, um, it's upbeat, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. You know, you, you like where you're at, you, um, it's, it's just like hard to explain, but you know, I had had so many jobs I didn't like before that. And all I knew is when I was there, I liked being there. And that yeah. was the first time I had had a job where I just liked being there. So like, <laughs> like how does that get built? Do you know? Like, I mean, how do you keep everybody happy all, not all the time? I mean, let's not, but for the most part, you know, you know, people are stoked to go to work there. People want to work there. Uh, at least back in the day, like you guys would have casting calls and like, you're one of the few companies that I've ever seen where you throw up a job at, you know, an ad for a job and you'd have a line out the door. Like I can't do that. Okay. Like if I put up an ad, people are not lining up outside of my office to work here. You know what I mean? So like, you know, what is it? Like, can you, 
you know, can you explain like how that was built? Why did they like working there so much? What, what is it about that, you know, company that people would line up to work for? Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, exactly what it is, but I know for me it was, um, a lot of the leaders there when I got there were like idols to me. Like they were just on it all the time. They were fun to be around, but they also knew how to get their work done and make sure you were getting your work done. And it's what really just like, cause you know, you get, you get 30, 20 year olds in a, or, you know, 16 to 20 year olds in a stand together and go, all right, here you go. Like, you know, right. make sure you're making the right drink and you're making it on time and you're having fun and you're like smiling, you know, all that. But really the leaders that were there when I was um, there were, were just some of the best people I've ever been around. And um, I think that kind of that upbeat fun vibe where they actually are, you know, you, you have people who are caring about their crew. You have crews that care about each other who are spending pretty much all their time outside of work with each other. So I think kind of getting that same age group and same vibe of people together and letting them kind of like build their own culture, like each shop was different, but had their own like special culture to it, I think, you know? And so, um, I think that helped a lot, but you had to have a manager who could corral all of those people together because it's a little bit of a madhouse as well. Yeah. So I'm curious, you were involved in hiring at some point, right? Yeah. So, you know, what were you, what did you learn when it came to identifying people that potentially had that in them? Cause you're really hiring on personality, right? right? I mean, I think Jeff would always say, he's like, I, I can teach anybody to make a cup of coffee or whatever mm-hmm. you guys do. He's like, but I can't teach certain people, certain things. And there's, there's, there's an X factor there when it comes to personality, um, attitude, um, willingness to work hard and things like that. How did you identify that during the interview process to give yourself the best chance? You weren't perfect a hundred percent of the time, I'm sure, but you guys were efficient enough to continue to have good people working for you. How did you learn to identify that person has it? You know, you know, we definitely weren't perfect all the time. We, we got good at firing to get rid of those people. But <laughs> sure. one, uh, I guess the thing I would focus on a lot is just trying to find good people. And how I would do that is a lot of it was by my interview questions. I would ask people, um, you know, what was the last nice thing you did for somebody? Nice. You know, and see if they just like knew what, you know, some people just like freeze and it's like, what are, what are you talking about? Like, I don't, you know, and so it's very easy for a culture like that to turn into high school you know, where it's clicky and there's like the mean girls or mean mm-hmm. boys, you know, like, and that's the last thing you can have in one of those shops. That's like when it just gets absolute chaos. So I think trying to find, like, you're not trying to find the cool kid who's like good at talking. You're trying to find the the nice kid who might be a little more reserved, but once they get there and they get in that space, they kind of feed off the energy and they start to break out of their yeah. shell. And that was some of the coolest things is like, you get an interview and some people are like, well, that person was too shy. And it's like, yeah, but they're, they're applying here. So they want to be right. more outgoing or they want to be a little bit different. And so sometimes you get them in the stand and that does freak them out and they're like still reserved. And sometimes like when I started there, I was very shy, yeah. you know? And then by the time I left there, I was like, couldn't talk enough. And, you know, was so excited to, to be on window and talk to people. So that's great. That's really good insight. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, your exit from Dutch bros, like you were there for, you know, on and off for five years, you know, there was a hiatus in there, but you did come back and work there, you know, you know, why did you leave? And, uh, you know, what was your plan after leaving? So I think, you know, basically right after I started a Dutch bros, it became my goal to, to own my own Dutch bros yeah. and to start one. And I, um, you know, I kept that goal for a long time and then, when I got into managing and started getting closer to getting my own, it started to freak me out a little bit that I was going to be like, you know, starting my career. And there was so much stuff I still hadn't done, you know, that I I wanted to travel and I, and different things. So I think the closer I got to that, the more nervous I started getting. So then I went and I traveled and I did that and I came back. And when I came back, it just didn't feel the same. I think, you know, a lot of my friends had, had moved on and, you know, the, the thing at Dutch Bros is like the um, the crew stays the same age, but you just keep getting older yeah. when you're there. So <laughs> the average age is never going to be more than, you know, and so it was getting harder to, to relate to them. And, um, 
just Dutch Bros was changing as a whole. They were um, really starting to make a push to open more shops. And and so it was actually like right after I had gotten kind of on the list starting towards getting my own franchise that I was like, this isn't like fun for me anymore. I'm not. And it would be a disservice to then go open my own shop and, mm-hmm. and not be loving it anymore. So I just had this crazy idea that I was going to start my own business and then I was going to start with the smallest business with the least amount of capital I would need to nice. inject in it possible. And what I came up with was a snow shack. Nice. And so, <laughs> and so I, in, um, let's see, uh, COVID hit in spring of 2020. Yep. So in like January of 2020, end of January, I put in a six week notice and so I could train the manager, like train the manager to take over for me and give them plenty of time to find a replacement and then I was going to start building out my snow shack and run it in the summer. And I was going to, um, you know, I wanted to work in, a, I had worked in cafes in Australia a lot. So I had kind of developed a little bit of a love for a cafe and cafe culture. So I thought I would just work in a cafe instead of, um, a kiosk like coffee situation. And, you know, f- four weeks into that COVID hit and it got crazy. And so I stayed a little like longer kind of trying to help out. And then it was, um, you know, whatever. Then it got crazy and everything started shutting down. So I just then spent like a month not working and building out a snow shack. (laughs) And then then for some reason in the middle of a pandemic opened a snow shack (laughs) and ran that for the summer and worked at a, um, and then I had kind of started thinking about, uh, I still want to be in coffee, but where do I go from here? I've, I've managed, I've, you know, tried to do like learn the back end stuff. What, what more could I do? I've worked in specialty co- cafes. What more could I do? And I was like, well, I've never roasted coffee. So I bought a little four ounce coffee roaster. And during COVID, I was just roasting coffee in my garage, just learning about it, nice. watching YouTube videos and started really liking it. So I thought, well, why don't I just apply at coffee roasters in town? So yeah. that was kind of my exit. We just slowly moved out of that into kind of starting my own business. I mean, it was just a snow shack, but, and it just, it taught me a lot still. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, started working, uh, at cafes around town. So, all right, cool. How was the snow shack? What, what did you learn running a snow shack? <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun. I mean, so I ran it with my little brother and, um, you know, I realized at that point, the stress of being a business owner, Yeah. you know, I just kept thinking like, I've got this much stress and I've got, you know, into a company and I feel like if I, you know, make one mistake, my life is over. Am I sure that I really want to go, you know, put a bunch more money into some other business? So it really taught me like that feeling, that feeling of anxiety and stress was something that like I had never intensely felt like that before and really almost scared me out of of business. So how did you learn to control it or how did you learn to realize that, you know, your fear was, not as great as, as, as it really was. Right. I'm sure the things that you might've been stressing about probably weren't, you know, cataclysmic, you know, you weren't, no one was going to die. Right. Like maybe you weren't going to go out of business, but you were just like, I don't have enough ice, you know, or whatever it was, you know, that was happening. Like, but how did you learn, you know, to manage that anxiety to, to make it uh, okay for you to continue, you know, cause you didn't shut it down because of that. Right. So what did you do? What kind of skills did you learn to be like, all right, like I, I might be overreacting here or whatever. Yeah. Like, what did you do? Cause it's a real fear for, I don't care what size business you had. I mean, you run in a tiny business and was scared to death. Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm like, what did you do to, you know, to make it okay? So the, the best thing I did and I'll never forget this is I, uh, I read a couple books that some people had recommended to me and they totally changed my life and helped me change my perspective. Cause essentially I, you know, kind of figured out it was just a lot of my perspective on what was happening, you know, and I was so scared to fail and so scared to everything. And so, um, I read, um, the energy bus, okay. which is a great book. And one great line from it that I thought, thought a lot about and still think a lot about today, you know, this was, um, you know, four years ago or so is you have, two dogs in your head, a positive dog and a negative dog. And whichever one you're feeding is the one that's going to grow. Nice. And I think about that a lot because at that time I was, you know, I'm just thinking of all the worst things that could happen when realistically, like looking back now, I'm like all the great reviews we got and all the great, like people who came and like said how great it was and how I had so much fun there. And like at that time I was just like 
focused on only the negatives, like if we're not busy enough right. or if someone, you know, just I was crazy about yeah. it, you know. And so, and then I also read the book, The Entrepreneurship Roller Coaster, okay, um, which was just another really good book. And one thing, one big thing I took out of that was he talks about when you're an entrepreneur. Pretty much 99% of the time, you're just stressed out and have a lot of anxiety and freaking out a little bit, but you do it for the 1% of the time that, it, that it's all worth it and you get to kind of like look at what you've been accomplishing. And it kind of made me realize that other people feel that way too, I guess. You know, yeah. I thought like, yeah, you're not well, alone. if I'm, you know, I'm not alone. And, and so um, it was, it was definitely eye opening, especially because it's easy, you know, when you're, when you're a worker to be like, why isn't why aren't the owners doing this? Why isn't the boss doing this? You know, right? And then right. you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go do it. Right? right. You do and you go, oh my gosh, this is what it's like to feel. So funny. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I know so many employees that are like, you know, complaining about their boss or why don't they do it this way? Why don't they do it that way? And, it's, and, and until they set foot in the arena, you know, then they don't know. They just, and, and a lot of people will jump ship and they can't handle the heat or they can't do it, you know? So you know, you felt that pressure, but you learned how to deal with it. And, um, that's amazing. Um, and you're not alone. Like what you felt was, I, th- I think it's so important to realize that like what you were feeling and what you were doing, once you learn that you're kind of part of a pack of people that have all gone through it and have endured, like there have been snow shacks that have been, that have made it, you know, <laughs> so like it's been done before. Right. And yeah. so I, thoughts like that are, are, have been important to me you know, um, and to realize that what you're feeling is normal. There's just, a, there's a way through it. You just may not have it yet. And you, you put the work in to learn it. And that's, that's awesome. Um, so how did Alchemist present? Like, how did you start that? Like you started roasting, right? And so you were selling what you were roasting to, to who? I, well, actually when I was just roasting at home, I wasn't selling, but I, then I started roasting in town for a coffee roasting company and at that time, that's when I met Chris. Um, and basically, he had started another coffee roasting company, but he was looking to kind of get out and do something different. And so, um, you know, just we, we had become pretty good friends by that point, And we're just talking a lot about, you know, I wanted to start my own coffee roasting company. I was interested in doing some cafes as well. He had kind of um, just gotten into the coffee world and was like still learning about it. He had come from the brew. Uh, he had owned a brewery before that. He owned Crooked Fence Brewing. Um, and so he was kind of looking to bring the two worlds together a little bit. Um, and that's one thing we do at our cafes is we we're open in the morning and in the evening. So we do sell like, you know, beer and wine in the evening, but we still have coffee in the morning. And, nice. and so, um, yeah, we just started talking about it. And at the time, since it was just a year after COVID, there was just a ton of stuff opening up. Sure. I mean, there was, um, awakenings, uh, coffee, which was a coffee roasting company was selling, selling out of their business. And then there was tons of retail places going up, but nobody was taking them over. So the prices on, um, rent were, you know, insanely good at that time. And so we kind of just were like, well, it was a pretty good time to make a push. And so we, we took over that uh, spot awakenings coffee had, and they had like a little five pound roaster. And we were, so we were just roasting five pounds at a time and just running this coffee shop. And, um, it, you know, basically it started going really well. So, yeah. so, um, yeah, so we started that in 2021 in April, yeah, okay. I think. And so, um, we took over that spot. It's on five mile and overland and, um, just started kind of, it was nice as it's been a coffee shop for a long time. It was Moxie Java before that. So it's like we had instant clientele and we were able That's to good. kind of see what worked and what didn't work yeah. basically. Where is that location? It's on Five Mile and Overland right across from that big Fred Meyer over there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just drove by that one. It's like week. a 3,100 square foot spot. So it's pretty okay. big and um, it's like a really great location because there's not really any breakfast or like any other coffee really in that area, but there's a lot of people coming from Meridian to downtown, from downtown to Meridian. Out, they're building all that stuff near Lake Hazel. So it's kind of like a great meeting spot. And that's where like yeah. we just, you go in there, just people having meetings everywhere basically. Yeah. <laughs> so did you do anything different when you showed up? I know Moxie was like a staple in this, in this Valley for, for years. And I know that, I don't know if there are any left. Um, but so it's good to have an existing spot 
space that already was drawing clientele, did you go in and you're like, well, let's just try and keep it going? Or did you like, let's put our thumbprint on it and do a few things differently? So we, we basically ran it for like two weeks to three weeks, somewhere in there as awakenings, just to kind of see what the pitfalls were and see where we could make, make adjustments. And then, um, and then started rebranding. And the biggest thing we did was just, you know, we updated the shop, which definitely needed it. We rearranged some stuff to make it more conducive and faster for um, the baristas. And then we changed the menu, the food menu totally. So they were, there's like a little small kitchen in there and it had like some flat tops and they were doing some kind of like food to order, Mm -hmm. but it was like long wait times and it was, you know, uh, you know, people wanting to order their eggs certain ways and all that. That's a, you know, I can't be in the diner business. Yeah, that's pretty that's wild. a different so, animal. So um, we we turned that kitchen into like a commissary kitchen where we, we just roll our own breakfast burritos, make eggs for our breakfast sandwiches, that type of stuff. And then we use Mary Chef ovens similar to like what, um, you know, I think like Subway has them and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we were, we basically made the food much quicker and much more um, like something you could get on the go if you needed. And um, change the, you know, so we changed everything, but just kind of slowly and see what would work and what wouldn't. So what, did you get any feedback from like your regulars? Like, Whoa, this is way better. Or were they like, all right, cool. Now they offer this or was it like, what was it like? So we definitely had a bit of both. I mean, obviously there had been people who had been going there for, um, you know, three or four years and getting the same thing. And a lot of people want to be able to go into a, a cafe that serves food and order their eggs a certain way, things like that. And we weren't doing that anymore. So, you know, people wanted that to come back, but that was not really an option at that time. (laughs) And, uh, but other than that, all the feedback was very good. Um, we, you know, the sales doubled in the first, I would say two and a half months that we were there. So it was like, okay, so it's working, you know? So yeah, I was going to ask like, what do you attribute that to? That's massive. Yeah. I would say that, um, we made like we made the the whole back bar area where um, the baristas are just more conducive and faster. We made, in my opinion, made the coffee better. Not that theirs wasn't good, just you know, obviously, um, we and then and then I think like we were selling much more food than they were. I think because just being able to to get it quicker on your way to work and stop in, it became a we we were able to get more. Um, people coming and grabbing something and leaving than just like coming in to stay, you know? So was that your goal going in? Like, I'm sure you saw what like their, like their 12 month receipts were or something like that. Like yeah. okay, this business grosses this much. Um, did you take that over thinking we're going to double that, you know, or was that a goal or were you like, let's, let's try and bump this by 10% or 20. Like what was, what was your goal? Um, I think we just kind of knew that there was a lot of things that could be better there and could be more conducive for the customer and that we could, you know, raise that average sale by offering some, some better food options and better pastry options and things like that. And so I, I don't know if we had a goal, just more, we'll do that and we'll see if yeah. it works you know, type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's slowly tinker. just seemed like every week as you're looking at stuff, you kind of see like the average sale going up and you see you know, more food going out the door and, you know, we were selling, we, you know, every week we're selling more bags, coffee, like things like that. And it just, so it just like slowly, but surely just kept growing. So did you incentivize your employees to push that stuff or did it just happen organically? It just happened organically, which is kind of mostly how we try to do stuff, you know? And, um, and I think what's nice is there was so many regulars there who wanted, like, of course, when someone takes over, they want to ask you questions and get to know you. And so, and we were, we were opening, closing the shop every day. So we got to know a lot of people. And so it was easy to get feedback and they were very honest if they, something wasn't good or something, you know, whatever. (laughs) So, I mean, it was easy to, to kind of know what they were looking for. So that's awesome. So that was your first shop. Yeah. April of 21. Mm -hmm. And then at what point we were like, all right, let's, let's do another. (laughs) So we, um, and actually around that same time we, um, took over that shop maybe like a month later we signed a lease to take on another spot on 27th the Mm -hmm. the shop you've been to um and that was slated to be finished in the summer but just like every um you know new construction (laughs) gets pushed back like six months so we ended up opening that spot december 11th okay of that same year 21 21. yeah all right 
So now you got a fresh new space that yeah. you can, you know, you can start with. What was your, what was your goal there? I mean, that's a good look. I think that's a good location. Yeah. Has it been good for you? Yeah. It's been awesome. Actually. Yeah. yeah. So did you have to do any advertising? Like, how did you draw people there? How did you let people know you were open? You know, there's not, there's, there's quite a bit of residential, I think. And you're in a, almost in a residential neighborhood there. Um, you know, you're 27 blocks from downtown, which has how many coffee shops are downtown? Yeah, like probably like 20. 20, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, did you do anything, you know, to draw people in? You know, not really. I mean, we honestly, <laughs> this is easy. we're like, but I will say, you know, for the first three months, we were really slow and yeah. it was just a very slow trickle of, um, you know, just maybe a, a 2% increase in sales every week or something like that. Yeah. But at that time it was you know, very difficult to still find employees. It was still when we, you know, we were going through that after COVID. Mm -hmm. And, um, so with the other shop being as busy as it was, it was like, we weren't even ready to be super busy yet. So otherwise we probably would have pushed a little harder, but we were still trying to, you know, manage two shops and it was still a little wild. And then that location and kind of one reason we chose it was because there was so much foot traffic around there. Mm -hmm. That huge whitewater park is just two blocks away. And then that, neighborhood someone told me this i hope it's true but it's like the west end neighborhood is like the highest concentration of people of like any neighborhood in boise or something right. like that you know per whatever or square foot or something yeah. like that and so i think there's just a lot of foot traffic there and then that street is kind of like a corridor um for people peeling off state street to like try to get to downtown in, in different ways yeah. and so slowly but surely i think more people just started noticing it um, we don't do a good job of advertising it. I still have people like it's been there for, uh, we just hit our two year mark and I still have people like, Oh, you mean the one place with the starry night on the window? Like, you know, even <laughs> right. though it's a coffee shop. So I'm like, okay, well maybe, yeah. but, but at this point now it's like, you know, on weekends we're at capacity there and there's wow. people having to go to other shops because it's too busy. So, I mean, it's like, you know, slowly but surely if you're just doing a good job and people will tell people about it. So. So what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of expanding, like from one shop to two? Um, you know, you're doubling everything. And, um, you know, I'm sure there are challenges that come with that. And and now hearing you say that you were slow for a little while might have been a blessing, yeah. you know, especially with the hiring challenges that were that were presented during that time. But at the same time, it gave you you know, elbow room with time as far as like, all right, let's really make sure this is set up properly and you're not overwhelmed. But what advice would you give to someone who's, you know, how did you know you were ready, you know, to, to open another location? Or was that always part of the plan? It was always part of the plan a little bit, but I think we knew we were ready because by that time we finally had a crew at our other location that was solid like because we at, at first you know we started with their crew and slowly were you know through people leaving or getting fired uh we you know they kind of started to get weeded out and we started to bring in our own people and you know some of those got weeded out but eventually we had a crew that we could really rely on and trust and when that was the case it felt like okay like i can not be here all the time and stuff is still going to get done yeah. how it's supposed to because the worst thing when you're starting a new company is that like people come in and they're you know wait times of 30 minutes for coffee or, you know, they're whatever, you know, all the things that can go wrong, basically. They might not come back. Exactly. And so it was very critical at that time. We didn't mess that up. I think, uh, you know, having, having a crew you can count on at your first location and then, also, we were able to train the crew for the second location at that location. So, you know, we trusted that crew to train the next crew type of thing. And then we also peeled off three or four people from that crew to the new location. So it's kind of like being able to have some veterans around yeah. is like one of the things that's been the best thing for us. Like when we first started, it felt like we had to be there all the time, every second, yeah. every day. Now that we've got some people who work for us for two years, you know, we've got one girl who started with us like the second month. She's still with us. Like having people like that around who to answer questions and help out, help yeah. out new people and answer um, customer questions and stuff is very vital. Yeah. I think it's so important to be present you know, especially in the beginning, you know, whether you're opening a new shop or a new business, you know, cause you set the tone, yeah. right. And like, and you set the expectations and you let them know the way things are supposed to be. And so, yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, 
if you're just going to buy an existing location and just be kind of like an absentee owner, like you won't get that from your people, you <laughs> yeah. know, unless you have sure. rock solid people that you're paying probably a lot of money, <laughs> you know, to make sure that it, it stays that way. So um, it's so smart because I think if that's always been what I've tried to do whenever I hire someone new, you know, is to micromanage them really hard with the intention of not having to manage them at all at some point, <laughs> yeah. at some point in time. But like the first 90 days or six months is really important because you have to, you know, you have to build them up. You have to teach them and train them on whatever they need to learn. And as long as they're going to perform, you can, you know, slowly lengthen that leash and then just be like, and then it <laughs> runs by itself, ideally, you know? So, yeah. um, so, so now you've got two locations. Um, I mean, it, was it, were there any surprises? Like, was it pretty easy? It sounds like you guys were just like, well, this is the way we do it. And like, what kind of things presented itself that were like, well, I didn't think of that. Or were, were there any surprises along the way? Um, yeah, there definitely, it definitely wasn't like super easy. There was definitely <laughs> yeah. surprises. Um, I think at that time, finding good, finding good workers was, extremely difficult harder than i'd ever you know in the by that time six years i'd been managing coffee shops had ever come across um we would put ads out on indeed and you know it would be there for a week and we would get three submissions and and all three of them would be people that i didn't want to hire and so it it was for a while my my was making my wife come in and help us out and i had friends you know that were were in coffee before i was like hey can you work a couple shifts you know and help us out and so that was a huge challenge um, and did take a while. And there was times we had people that were working for us that, you know, I normally would have let go, but had had to keep on longer. Yeah. And that was really frustrating. And so that was probably, probably the biggest thing at that time. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I was, I was there pretty much every day. And so it was like, and I had built a pretty good friendship with most of the people that we worked with. And so it was, overall pretty good like you know I, I was enjoying it it was just obviously like just like with anything there was like money issues on the back end always trying to figure that out and <laughs> that type of stuff but um overall yeah it was it was good nice so so you open a third one yes so then uh this we opened a third one and this isn't one or this one was in the spring of 22 okay and it was just a, a small shop. It was actually Cafe Crane, the one that uh, is in the Home Depot parking lot on State mm-hmm. Street. So a small location. Cafe Crane was um, leaving that location, and um, we bought a lot of their equipment and took it over. Um, and basically by that point, the kitchen that was at um, Overland wasn't fulfilling, being able to fulfill our needs anymore. We were baking out of there, and we were making all of our breakfast items. And so it was just pretty chaotic. We were running out of room. We were running out of everything. So um, we had had a baker who was with us. And so we, you know, she was looking to open her own bakery and have her own shop. And so we're we're like, well, this shop would be perfect for that. It had a bakery already built into the back. And then it's like a little, like probably, I don't know, a thousand square foot shop. So like a small, small coffee side. And yeah. And so um, she, so we kind of franchised that one out a little bit. We basically passed that off to her, and um, and then we bought all of our baked goods from her, okay. essentially. Nice. So and then um, so we hadn't made any more plans. That was like, you know, we had done that just to kind of make some more room for ourselves, yeah. and then you know we could also expand. And then right after that we were also running out of room to roast coffee because we were roasting coffee out of Overland in this little section in the side. So we were running out of room in the cafe there for people to sit and we were running out of room to, to bring in, we were, you know, shipping pallets of, of coffee, which when you get a pallet of coffee, it's like 10 bags that are all about 150 pounds of coffee. So we're like wheeling that through the cafe, like in front of customers, <laughs> Pardon me, excuse stacking me. it in the corner, <laughs> you know? And so, um, we uh, Crooked Fence Brewing had went out of business and their brewery was up for sale. So we ended up taking that over, which we could roast out of and, and then also make our cold brew and chai and all of that. So nice. we took over that around the same time, um, which feels like a location in and of itself. But yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then that allowed us to free up another couple hundred square feet in the cafe for more seating and, and nice. everything, which really helped out. Very so. good. Um. And then you had an opportunity. Uh, when did you open the one over here? 
So that An was, eagle. then that would have been that summer. We opened that one June 8th of 22. So you guys opened like three shops in like seven months, six yeah. months or something like that. Yeah. Was that, would you do that again? Um, I would only because since we were taking over spots, it was very much easier than like when we built 27th from the ground up, you know, it took us like months and months of just painting because like, we do a lot of the building ourselves. So, um, especially Chris. So it's, uh, it's pretty, takes you a lot away from the cafes when you're building on a spot yeah. and, um, a lot of time and effort and money and all of it. So, yeah. uh, but when we took over cafe crane, you know, it was like, took us about a week to change out, um, Great. the like artwork and paint and, you know, fix some things that were broken and redo the signage on the front, some things, build some tables for it, things like that. And then same thing for the, um, Eagle shop on Plaza that was Eagle river coffee. They had, they were retiring. Yeah. So we took over their space, bought their equipment, um, and then we're able to come in and, and in about a week kind of just do some, you know, all the touch ups and rebranding right. and that type of stuff. And so those are much easier than building out of space yeah, and dealing with contractors and, and the nightmare that comes with that for sure. Do you generally keep the employees? Uh, so for the cafe crane one, I believe like she was one of the only employees and she had another coffee shop downtown. So we didn't get any employees from her. But the Eagle Plaza one, um, we did offer to any of their employees that wanted to stay that they could stay, and they all decided to stay. So we ended up, uh, I think, like, or there was like five of them, I wow. think, and then and two of them stayed with us until until we sold it. So great, yeah. And then, and then you sold it, but you didn't. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't a plan, right? That yeah. just kind of present. Tell that story. Well. I guess uh, another thing to mention in between that is we opened a restaurant, two restaurants, I That's guess, right. in Cart and one in Cartwright Ranch and one in downtown. So that kind of has a reason of why we sold it. So I'll kind of talk okay. about those first. But so we were presented with the opportunity up in Hidden Springs, Cartwright Ranch area. They were building a new, um, a new commercial building, and they really wanted a cafe, restaurant, coffee shop type of vibe to go in there. And they came to us and, you know, basically said, hey, there's this awesome spot. There's like uh, 1,800 homes up here. And, you know, there's not a lot of places for them to go. So we basically just, I don't know, I think at that time we were kind of like in send it mode and just like wanted to do cool stuff. And we thought, how cool would it be to open a restaurant, you know? know. That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, it was way harder than guys. I thought. <laughs> it was way harder than I thought. Yeah. So what what was harder about it? Well, yeah, this would be a piece the, of cake. the restaurant world is totally different. Is totally different. I kind of thought there would be some correlation. There's almost no correlation. It was, <laughs> it was terrible. It was like, you know, having to hire a chef in a back of house was a nightmare, especially at that location where nobody who lives up there wants the, to work right. there. Right? It's a lot of like, you know, higher end homes and and a different crowd. So we were having to pay people to drive up that hill every day, and we were right. having to pay a lot more for that. And that was really tough to find find good back of house cooks and, and chefs for that location. And then just, it was a huge project. I mean, I think the, it was like a 3,600 square foot building. So it took us like all summer to build out and we were, you know, going up there every day. We basically would run, you know, check on the shops and run the shops all day and then work there until it got too dark to see in there. Oh and then, God. you know, and it was, um, pretty gnarly. And then, you know, we had to hire like a massive crew and just get like a new point of sale system and, bartenders and you know we had to we hired like a lot of like 16 year old kids up there to be the servers yeah. and teaching teaching them how to serve when they did not want to be servers you know and oh stuff God. and so it just was uh it was pretty pretty heavy for sure yeah do you still have it we do not yeah so we basically after a you know probably six months it was pretty clear it wasn't going to work up there it was um just you know very tough we weren't getting a lot of support from the community. I mean, there's a lot of people who were very supportive up there, but as overall whole of the whole community, I mean, we weren't, you know, there was nights where we were doing like a couple hundred dollars in sales mm. and we were paying a pretty yeah. huge price for the rent up there, obviously. Yeah. So we were able to kind of work out a deal and um, leave, leave the equipment there and get out of our lease, which was uh, very lucky on our part. And um, yeah, it was tough. It was a big learning lesson for me. A lot of things. I mean, I had a lot of, I had a lot of well-established business people tell me how great that spot was and how we were just going to be so busy we wouldn't be able to handle yeah. it and it was everything. And then 
we opened the doors and it was, yeah, it was like very hard to get people in the door. Yeah. That would be tough. Did that, did that hurt like financially? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely did. Yeah. I mean, we spent a lot of money on equipment there and we ended up leaving it all there and then obviously just running it at a loss for six months. Um, so yeah, that was, that put a big dividend, a lot of, you know, what we had built up to that point for sure. Yeah. Uh, but you were, you were able to eject and get out of your lease. Yes. Yeah. We got kind of lucky with that. I mean, you know, I think it was clear to everyone it wasn't working. And if we just kind of left it turnkey, they would be able to find us, find someone else probably to come in, which they have since. And, you know, uh, the only other option was, you know, to like bail and leave it and try to pay rent, which wasn't going to work. And so, um, they were able to work with us on that, which was nice. Nice. Is there anything that you would like knowing what you know now, is there any way you could have predicted that? Um, you or, know, or, or, I, I think about this a lot is that I, uh, and I thought about this a lot leading up to that was like, what is the metric for amount of people you need living within a, an radius, area yeah. for a spot like that? Because it's a very particular spot where everyone in that neighborhood would have to the next like restaurant. There's one restaurant on the other side of the neighborhood, but besides that, you'd have to drive all the way back down into Boise, which is like a 20 minute drive, 25 minute drive. What, like how many homes would it take to support that basically? And you know, 1800 was not, was not (laughs) the number. (laughs) Yeah. And one, another thing that's really tough up there is like, there's two neighborhoods, there's Cartwright Ranch and Hidden Springs. And so we were on the Cartwright Ranch side and the Hidden Springs side wasn't really interested in supporting (laughs) us. A lot of it It was kind of a little different there. So I guess I, I would have spent more time finding out like a, a, turn it into more numbers as opposed to like a feeling like when you drive up there and you see all the homes and you think these people don't have anywhere else to go you know you think like i thought on like sunday nights for football we would be too busy to come in and you know we on sunday nights we'd have no people there and i was like and i think i would have spent more time talking to people who lived up there i mean we certainly talked to a few people but like a lot of people we talked to didn't have kids and so when we opened it we didn't do a lot for the kids up there and Mm -hmm. so then when we talked to people after we weren't busy they were like you guys don't have anything for kids up here and i'm like well i guess that makes sense there's a lot of families up here (laughs) right right? we should probably make it more kid conducive so yeah i would have spent more time like i think doing research rather than like listening to what people were telling me yeah that's good advice and then you ended up selling this one down here in Eagle, which wasn't which wasn't the plan, right? Yeah, so we were approached by a, a coffee company out of um, Oregon, and uh, basically they had moved to um, Eagle. Uh, they own like a pretty prominent coffee company in Oregon, and I, I've actually been to their shop and know about them quite a bit. And so they reached out to us and said, hey, you know, we moved to Eagle, and we really want to be a part of this community, and, um, and so would you guys want to sell your location, you know, and you know, at that time I wasn't really very interested in it, but also we, it was at the time we were closing Cartwright and kind of a lot going on. So it was like, okay, well, you know, I'm willing to have a conversation about it basically. And we talked to them and it was actually just really cool to hear them talk. Like, you know, they wanted to be a part of Eagles community and, you know, just like we have aspirations to, you know, make sure we're a part of, of the community, like in the treasure Valley and they're kind of narrowing that focus just in the Eagle because that's like where their kids are, you know, going yeah. to school and that's where they, you know, they have a lot of friends and they're, you know, all of that. And so they knew that spot was kind of a really good spot for them to have. I mean, it's, it's pretty prime location in Eagle for a, for a coffee shop, I think. So, yep. God, yeah, that'll be the fourth different coffee shop in that space in like 10 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, the Starbucks just left because it went to that Albertsons right. and then the Eagle River. Or they, they built retired. that one or did they, did they build that one down off of highway 55 where that kicks out? Is that where it went? Do you um, know? Well, I think they have that one there, but I think that they got rid of that one because they put one in that Albertsons okay. like when they made that deal with Albertsons to have Starbucks in there yeah, or yeah. something like that. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, that was one of my favorite shops ever. Like it was just the easiest to run. The customers had all been regulars forever. Yeah. So it was very like, you know, the first like 30 customers would come in the door with the same 30 people every day. You know? Right. So the baristas knew. Got your group of old men that show up, yeah, right? And yes. talk shop and solve the world's problems. And exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the crew there was awesome and they just, you know, they got it and they had had people there who, you know, crews that had been there, 
uh, with the company before who knew all the regulars and we had a great manager for that location and all that. And so it was like, you know, I don't know how I could do that, how I could get rid of the shop, but then, you know, made us an offer. We were like, none, Mm. I don't think so. I think for that, I would rather keep it. And then basically they're like, okay, what's your number type of situation? Like we want to make this work. And so we came back and we're like, this is still fair, but also, you know, the time we could use some, some capital to inject in the company. We also were opening that downtown location. So we were able to like take that crew and, and transfer some of them down there. So we were able to like staff that shop. So it kind of just seemed like the right time. And, um, I was actually really just happy for them to be able to kind of be a part of like the, you know, they really want to be a part of the Eagle community and really invest in it. And, you know, we do too, but since we have other shops in other places, we can't just always like take it to one spot like that right. and just focus, you know, we've done the farmer's markets here and just try to try to do some things, but we're also got so much other stuff going on. It was I nice know. to like take something off our plate. You guys did so much in such a short period of time. I don't yeah. know how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Good for it you. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, what's next for you guys? Well, we do have a we have a location um, that's supposed to be opening the end of next year, but I'm gonna assume probably beginning of 2025, first quarter, or maybe quarter two, um, at the new Orchard Park uh, development that's being built on Shinden Linder. Oh, nice! So that's a really cool spot. It's gonna be like a 3,000 square foot cafe, so it'll be big like our Overland shop, and it's um, a good spot. Yeah, it should be kind of fun, and then. Um, we have been focusing a lot on our distribution and production. So, um, using our, utilizing our warehouses a little more and, um, you know, shipping out to co-ops, Walmarts. Um, we just started like, uh, doing compostable K cups because, um, people, most people, or there's not really any compostable K cups out there. So just different things, kind of innovating some stuff like that. And then probably get another location or two under our belts when we find the right spot. Um, now prices on, rent have gone up so much it's like hard to find a good spot right. and, you know and um so but yeah i want to want to just keep keep focused on the company building the brand and um and expanding for sure that's awesome well hey man i'm out of questions <laughs> like, it's a piece of cake that wasn't right? so bad no man you guys are killing it out there I, I i haven't seen companies um you know grow at the rate that you have which is really awesome you and christmas really work well together sounds like you're the yin and the yang as far as yeah. like operations and then you know uh and then you know the roasting and the the hr like you guys have it all your, your strengths align really nicely together which yeah. is not always the case, you know, partnerships can be messy and it sounds like you guys have it wired, which is really exciting. So it sounds like you're, you know, offering, I know you're offering a great product because I drink your coffee all the time. (laughs) Um, and you know, you're taking care of your people you're taking care of your customers. People are loyal to you. Like you've really, you're really getting a foothold here, which is really exciting. So, so congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're rooting for you and excited to see what you guys bring next. So, and thanks for coming in, man, sharing your story. I've been wanting to, I'm wanting someone to tell me about your company. (laughs) I've chased Chris for like, I swear for like 18 months and, um, he, uh, he's busy, you know, he's a busy guy. And so I was like, I'm going to rope Tyler in. So, so I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, this was great. Yeah. All right, buddy. Keep up the good work. Awesome. Thank you. you Anywhere the wind blows, anywhere the fireflies.